Hello, hello, hello. Thanks, Asia. So I've never done this before, but I'm excited. Um, yeah, I'm Cade. I feel like most of you guys probably know me, but maybe not. I go to Iowa State, so I'm not really part of this community normally, but I'm here in town for the next couple weeks. So um, sometimes it happens where I'll just be talking to my dad and I don't know, we'll be talking about the Lord or something and I'll say something and he's like, oh, Cade, you should preach that. <laughs> like, you should like, you should preach. And I'm literally like, ah, I don't know. I've never really wanted to do that or like had any desire or felt any need to do that. But um, lately I've felt like, you know, actually, I think, actually, even last week at the Send, I was there too. And even there I was feeling like, man, I need to learn how to tell more people in larger settings about the Lord and about what he's done in my life. So, yeah, that was a powerful weekend for me, too. Um, yeah, but, so yeah, I, I'm excited to speak now, and I am expectant, too, that what the Lord's been showing me, I'm excited to share with all of you guys. So, um, yeah, let me just pray real quick, and then we can get into it. We might, yeah, it looks like we do have slides, so that's good. Jesus, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing us all here. Um, I ask that you, you humble me and you humble each of our hearts to help us to hear your word and hear your truth. Lord, help, like open, our, open our ears just like you open mats. Um, help us to hear your truth. Cut through all of, our, all of the noise and the distractions of our lives and just speak your truth and humble us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, yeah, I want to start out just reading... From Matthew 7, this verse, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's kind of an intense verse, um, but intense in a good way, I think. Um, I kind of just want to share a little bit first, just my own story. Um, I'm one of probably not too many people who actually grew up here in Bluemont. Um, and this is an awesome community, and I'm really thankful for it, and thankful for both my parents' influence on my life and just teaching me truth growing up um, and being immersed in that in this community. But even immersed in that, there was a very big chunk of my life where I was very much just doing my own thing and not in submission to God at all. Um, I was choosing my own desires instead of God's desires and really in so much deception with my family. Um, even though people, I mean, a lot of you guys could probably see through all of that, um, but I feel like I put on an image of this like clean cut, like 4.0 GPA captain of the soccer team, like Christian, son of the pastor, you know? Um, so even people at school knew me as that, and I don't really know what you guys, you guys probably saw through a lot of that, but, um, um, but in reality, I was filled with so much shame and fear and self-consciousness, and I was in so much sexual immorality and deception, and it was just all these things that, it was like I had this good image, but there was so much hypocrisy underneath, and that's what this passage is really talking about, um, is the hypocrisy 
um, and that it's possible that people can call Jesus their Lord. They can truly say, Lord, Lord. Um, but Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Um, and for me, this was honestly pretty big because I realized that it was possible to say I was a Christian, but by the works of my life, like, I definitely was not following Jesus. And in, the, in that day, he would have said to me, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Um, so this ate me up, and my hypocrisy ate me up even more than all the sin that I was in. It was the hypocrisy of being like, oh man, I either need to encounter God and go all in and experience freedom and life in him, or I need to not even claim to call myself a Christian anymore because it's that heavy. Um, so this kind of shocked me out of my sleep. And um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that make this same point or similar points, but I'll just quickly read a couple more. Um, this is 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And then let me read this one. It's John 14, verse 15. Um, very simply, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Um, if you just read these on face value, it's honestly really offensive to a lot of people, and a lot of people try to explain it away. Um, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So I guess the logical conclusion is that if you're not keeping his commandments, you maybe don't actually love him. Um, and that's what I realized in my own life, that belief in Jesus is not meant to just be your ticket into heaven, but true belief in Jesus requires your obedience. And true belief in Jesus, the way it is, the way it's designed to be, is meant to transform you from the inside out. It's not just a label you slap on yourself, but it's an entire transformation of every part of your being. Um, true belief is the impetus to you being born again, to you stepping into new life in him. So there was a period of time where I was kind of realizing all these truths. Um, but honestly, what was stirring up in my soul was like, felt like anger and offense. Um, over time, I realized that was actually just conviction. And it was like a gift from God. Um, and that's how he first brought me in, was by bringing me to a really low place and showing me my brokenness and my hypocrisy. Um, but he didn't leave me there either. He began to show me that even though I didn't really know him, his desire was to know me so deeply. And he was inviting me into joy and freedom and abundant life in him. It wasn't just a condemnation, oh, you're so broken, but it was showing me my need and offering me his gift of like, come all you who are thirsty and like, come and drink of me. And yeah, yeah I, I knew that there was that potential for rest and joy and life in him. Um, yeah, but the trap some people fall into when they read, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, is they begin to put all the pressure on themselves, and they begin working to adjust their behavior in order to be found as someone who truly loves him. So you start just trying to modify your behavior. You're like, oh, if, if I love him, I keep his commands, therefore 
I guess I need to start learning how to keep his commands. And that's true, you need to learn discipline, but it's so much more than just self-discipline. Um, I want to read, this is 1 John 4.19. It's, we love because he first loved us. True transformation and obedience come from Jesus, not from ourselves. That's why in John 15, Jesus says, Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So even that process of transformation, which is what Jesus wants to bring us into, he wants to make us look more like him. But even that process itself just starts on Jesus' end and not our own. So instead of trying to modify our own behavior, we need to abide in him and come to him and let, his, let him transform us. Um, he really does have high standards for us and for the church. He's called us as his church to go and bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. He said that we will do even greater works than he did while he was here. That's wild. And he said that, that we should have the same fiery faith as Jesus' early followers. Um, and we really should be trying to match our experience in our lives to the examples that we see in Scripture. Um, but this all comes from a place of knowing him first. And he already gave us the perfect example of what it means to embody love. He already purchased everything for our behalf on the cross. And we can only truly do the things that he asked us to do by first knowing his love. Let me get some water. And there's so much freedom in this too. Like, there's freedom in understanding that we actually can be transformed and our lives can actually become obedient to him and actually can transform the way we interact with people and the amount of love we have in our hearts. Like, being a Christian, it's not just some like arbitrary label and some understanding of, oh, I'm forgiven, I guess, so I can do whatever I want. But like, because a lot of people get stuck in that place. But there is true transformation that comes from offering yourself in obedience. Um, yeah, we first need to know his love. And how great is this love? I just want to read 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10, and then verse 19. It says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to, the, to be the propitiation for our sins. We love because he first loved us. So this is the extraordinary love of God that he came for us. He came to die for us. He loved us first. In this entire process, it's like he always came before we could do anything. Um, but it really calls us to obedience in response to... Um, it calls us to give all we own to become servants that lay down our entire lives in love and obedience to the King. He's completely deserving of becoming our Lord and the master of our lives because he first demonstrated his great love for us. Um, and because of his great worth, obedience to him is simply our duty. This is what Jesus lays out in Luke 17, verses 7 through 10, which is right after he talks about the mustard seed faith and the great things that it can do. Right after that, he says, he gives this little parable. He says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. 
But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have done only what was our duty to do. So this is describing a, a servant who's, who's hard at work. He's out working and then he comes back home and rather than him resting and sitting and eating, he recognizes that he's still in the position of a servant and first he needs to, to gird himself, which is like dressing as a servant. And like oftentimes it would be wrapping the towel around your waist and like girding yourself as a servant. And he first continues to serve the master. And he recognizes that that's his position, is as the unworthy servant who's only doing his duty. Um, for me, this was really powerful lately, especially, um, especially in connection to this coming right after Jesus talks about faith. Um, even this semester, I've been asking the Lord to, to use me in greater ways, like to see more people's lives get transformed um, through using me to see miracles and people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with his love and like I feel like I have been seeing more of that um, but it's interesting that for me this past semester oftentimes my worst weeks have been the weeks that come right after I see this crazy testimony um, and I realize that the reason for that is I, I'm like working for this goal and then I see it happen and my faith is exercised in, in like a greater measure and then right after that, I kind of allow myself to slip. And I'm like, okay, now I guess I start like having pride in myself and in the work that I did, even though it's not work that I actually did. Um, and then it's a dark place that I fall into. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank God I feel like he's bringing me out of that and he's showed me that pattern. Um, and I've been able to repent from it faster every time that happens. Um, but I realized that this was about me, like I was a servant who was serving him, but then like my watchfulness slipped for a second and I fell into my own pride. Um, so when, he, when we see him move, our correct response should be to continue acting as a servant and to continue girding ourselves and serving him. But once again, the reason Jesus expects this out of us is because he first demonstrated the same thing for us. Um, he doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't already do himself. So, I just want to read from John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, 
A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus, Jesus is saying, like when the disciples call him Lord and teacher, he's saying, yes, like you rightly call me your Lord and teacher. And Jesus is our master and he should be our master. He's deserving of that. But he, our master, chose to become a servant to the point of literally washing his disciples' feet. And it's crazy that that same language about girding and serving is used. So what Jesus is calling us to, he like actually demonstrated in the physical, like he girded himself and served his disciples. So he's embodying a spiritual truth, which is that real exaltation comes through servitude. Um, and this verse just describes that even more. Um, it's in Philippians 2. He ultimately demonstrated this servitude by emptying himself, taking the form of a servant, and becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I, uh, what, what first, one of the first things that got me thinking about all this, I heard this, this guy named Bob Gladstone just mention kind of offhand, he said, um, when, we, when we finally are face to face with Jesus and we're awestruck and we see him in his full glory, what are we going to see him as? It's not just going to be as this victorious king, but we'll, when we truly see him as he is, we'll see him as one who's washing feet. Even in his exalted state of glory, like he's going to be, his character is somebody who serves and who washes feet. Um, and then I read this verse and it kind of just put it all together for me. This is in Luke 12. This is Jesus teaching again. He says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return for the, from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. I think this is just putting it all together. He, he's, he's like commanding his disciples to be people who, whose waists are girded and whose lamps are burning so that when he does come, he, he will come and he will reward their watchfulness and their labor and he himself will gird himself and serve them. And I'm just like, wow, I'm so thankful that our God comes in that manner as a servant and there's so much freedom that comes in us in that act of obedience of lowering ourselves to be a servant. Um, yeah, so I feel like if any of you guys, first of all, either just feel convicted about living lives that are not, um, like if you love me, keep my commands, and you realize that you're not keeping his commands, therefore maybe you don't love him, I would encourage you that there is hope and that his offer is for life and for abundance to you. But it does require you to get to a place of understanding your need. And it does require you to come to a place of offering yourself in full obedience to him. And only in that place where you're offering freely your obedience to him 
It's like Jesus gave it all, all to him I owe. It's that same thing. Like Jesus gave everything, so you recognize that and you come to a place of being like, Lord, I truly want to be obedient to you in everything. And in that place, he does transform you, and he does give you so much freedom and life and joy. And I'm thankful to be saying this now because I feel like some of you guys have seen my just growing up and the lack of freedom and life and joy I had for so long. And now I can like say these things without feeling like a hypocrite, you know? And it feels good. And that's like peace and freedom. But I'm saying that freedom is the offer for everybody. It's Jesus' offer for you. Um, yeah, let me just pray again and thank the Lord for all these things. Jesus, just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness towards us. Um, thank you for your, for your desire to transform me to us. So I ask that you, you bring us into an understanding of your great love. For all of us who don't understand the depths of your love for us, Lord, would you just reveal what you came to do on the cross and how beautiful and how great that was. And um, Lord, just extend that invitation to each of us, the beauty that's in store and the transformed lives that are in store for each of us. I ask that you would even make these truths more known in this community at Bluemont, that this would be a place where people are just willing to offer their lives in complete obedience to you. And Lord, thank you for the great things that you're doing through that and for your kingdom coming into the world. Bless your name, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. amen. That's all I got. Yes,